and welcome to Between the Borderlands. A liminal space for, well, time bandits, it would seem. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall. And yes, time bandits really is the gift that keeps on giving. Well, it's actually the callers that are doing the giving, but you know what I mean. I've got a whole bunch of calls here. First up, I have a call from Anthony Runeslinger Boyd of Casting Shadows in response to Daniel Norton's call regarding the 80s TV show Voyages. Hey Spencer, it's Anthony calling in with a message for Daniel, the Daniel of Bandit's Keep. He asked about the old TV show from the 80s called Voyagers. Yeah, so the kid went on to do to do other things and was fairly successful, although more as a child actor than as an adult. But the the adult star, whose name was John Eric Hexum, was accidentally killed by a uh, a discharge of a blank in a firearm. So that show uh, came to an end. Uh, he was on the way up, you know, a heartthrob and and a pretty talented actor and good amount of range for the type of actor that he was. And so uh, his death made a big impact at the time. The show was pretty entertaining, really solidly aimed at kids and had a definite agenda to promote an interest in, you know, school and study, and I don't really find a whole lot wrong with that, although at times it could be a little disruptive because they would actually stop the show and say, if you'd like to learn more about this period of history, go to your local library. But the shows do tend to hold up, and you can get them on DVD. So uh, if the action adventure with smatterings of comedy and romance in historical settings and plunging through time out of control sounds appealing then it's definitely something to check out voyagers thank you for that anthony a tragic end to what sounds like a promising show i did follow daniel's suggestion and reached out to jason connolly of nerds rpg variety cast to see if he had any information regarding the show hey spencer jason here i have not heard of the tv show voyagers in the 80s i missed that i think or I don't remember it at least. Uh, I'll have to search that out. Sounds interesting. I, I think I do want to point something out, though. Carl was brave to call his call in, and I appreciate opposing, not opposing point of views, I appreciate honesty in calls. And I'm glad Carl was up to admitting this movie wasn't for him. And we've seen that with other people, with other movies, with, in fact, Joe Richter of Hindsightless has bounced off movies before so I don't think giving Carl a hard time is very fair because he's being honest, just like Joe was being honest, even though he was wrong about how stiff Mark Singer is in Beastmaster. So, I, you know, Carl, thank you for your call. And please, I look forward to your call in for Dragon Slayer. Spencer, thank you again for hosting this. And Rob, who's obviously psychically connected to you, I hope your toe heals soon. Hey Jason, thanks for the message. 
I don't think anybody holds anything against Carl for not liking the movie. Mind you, having said that, I haven't checked in on the Audio Dungeon Discord movie night thread to see what's going on over there. I know the movie holds a special place for me, but liking it is obviously not a requirement of taking part in the show. I want honest opinions, and I appreciated Carl's. As I said in my feedback to his message, movies come in all different flavours. We all have favourite flavours, don't we? And it stands to reason that we have flavours that we don't much like. And I mean, Carl did sound a little like he was up for being persuaded otherwise. I know Joe had a little fun with that, but I'm sure that's nothing that Carl couldn't handle. Hey, Carl. Hey, Spencer. Spencer, not Rob. Great job on the movie Monday, movie night takeover. I am not sad, really. Grateful, I don't know. Um, Definitely not happy. Perplexed, shocked that I was the only one who called in who didn't like Time Bandits. But I'm glad that GM Shadow said he didn't like it either. So I feel a little better that I'm not the only person. And I just got to remember to be more positive, I guess, instead of because then all these people with my name in their mouth and uh, I got to, you know, I'm glad that Dragon Slayer is the next movie up because I will. I, well, I remember liking that one, too, as a kid. So hopefully it still holds true. But thanks again for doing this, Spencer. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Carl. Carl of the Geomologist Presents. I sincerely hope you don't feel like you're being singled out here. I am surprised at the overwhelming positive feedback for Time Bandits, to be honest. I know the movie is not for everyone, so I was at least expecting a few mediocre responses. I happen to know that Dave Aldridge of the now-defunct Deeper Centile podcast doesn't rate the movie at all. Anyway, Carl, it's all good, of course, but you might want to brace yourself because you get another mention in the next message, I have an extended call here from Safer of the currently mothballed Safer Fantasy Crafting podcast. Safer has a lot of interesting stuff to share about time bandits. Now, he does say in this message that it probably isn't for sharing, but I can assure you I've been given the all clear to play it for you here. And in case that raises any concerns for anyone, If you do ever want to send me a message that you don't want to be aired or shared, I would certainly honour that request. Over to you, Safer. Hello there, Spencer. It's just Safer here. I just wanted to compliment you on your uh, last show about Time Bandits. I'm amazed. I want to say, marvellous show. I'm amazed no one's actually said that to you. It's quite the obvious response. Uh, No, I can't do foreign accents, and certainly not Ian Holmes. A Sardinian Napoleon accent, which is uniquely bizarre. Uh, I'm always late to these comments, and I don't know. Sometimes I don't even comment at all, really. Or even though I do want to on some of these shows, I wanted to comment on some of Jason's shows. I wanted to comment on uh, Hawk the Slayer, but some of the things I wanted to talk about, like the elf character, I've, I've realised might be considered controversial in today's delicate times. So I didn't bother. And I'm always worried that I'm going to be long, too long-winded and a bit anal in my responses about these things. So I'm probably going to drone on here a bit, so this is not really necessarily for broadcast. I wouldn't bother broadcasting this. I just want to compliment you on the show and say a few comments. Perhaps 
say a few things that someone else might not have thought of. I waited until I listened to the whole thing to see if anybody did mention any things I was thinking of, but uh, they didn't, so that's why I'm called in. First of all, to get any controversy out of the way, I, I did want to say how I was just quite saddened by like Carl's responses and and some of the Americans' responses made me feel that um, perhaps us Brits view time bandits in a slightly different way than the Americans do. I understand that time bandits was very popular in America at the time it was released, and it was actually the American audience and the American box office that made it a success. It was somewhat of a flop in Britain. But hearing Carl's comments kind of made me sad, not in an angry or disappointed way, but just generally sad that he didn't enjoy it as much as I did in the way that I did. Perhaps that's just, I don't know, narcissistic of me or something, wanting people to enjoy the same things that I do. But yes, I can I can see how the film might not appeal to certain people. I, myself, I'm an atheist, irreverent, anti-monarchist, and somewhat absurdist in my taste in comedy. So this sort of thing, Monty Python and Time Bandits, is exactly uh, up my alley. But I can imagine that if you're not an atheist, irreverent, absurdist, yes, perhaps some of the things in this film could have annoyed or offended you. But I don't want to dwell on that or, again, sound too controversial, but I'll just get straight to the perhaps the obvious parts of perhaps favourite scene and favourite line. So it's quite difficult to pick a, a favourite scene or favourite line, really, because there's so many good ones and I love so much. Uh, in terms of scene, thinking about it, I'm going to have to say, actually... It's the um, when the dwarfs are all dancing before Napoleon and singing uh, Me and My Shadow. That had me in stitches at the time when I watched it as a kid and it still splits, it cracks me up now. It's just, oh, it's sublime. It's brilliant. It's brilliantly timed. It's brilliantly played. The way, just the, even the way he's putting the boot in just as the curtain's coming down right at the end, it's just perfect. And the look on Ian Holmes' face as well when they're performing, it's, oh, it's just, oh, it's sublime. But my favourite... Um, line from the film strange it's not so much what they're actually saying it's all this film's all about the way they say it to me so I actually love the the way that the ogre character played by Peter Vaughan who is a fantastically naturally intimidating actor apparently he didn't get on with the uh, the young Kevin actor Um, there was some strife between them I don't know if that was just Peter Vaughan trying to stay intimidating as the ogre, but apparently apparently it was a bit a difficult situation on set for them. But I do actually just love the way when they're when they're pretending to help the ogre with the stretching and they're actually tricking him. And uh, they make a noise and uh, the wife played by the quite unique Catherine Helmond and she shouts up and says, Are they in the pot yet? And the ogre just goes, Yeah, just about Something the way he delivers that line, I just love it. And that whole scene is very Odyssean, actually. And that's the thing about this movie. It's so much and so many things. There's not one truth about the movie. Yes, it's a twisted fairy tale. Yes, it's a satirical commentary on modern consumerism. Yes, it's a boy's own romp, which I think is a great observation made by Rob. Yes, it's a rather irreverent and perhaps even clumsy stab at... um, commentary on philosophy and spirituality and yes it's a even poignant uh, portrayal of uh, the end of childhood it's all those things it's not one it's all mashed together which makes it a great parallel to dungeons and dragons and role-playing which is exactly the same thing a complete mashup of different uh, genres styles and influences 
But I think Jason also made a great comment about uh, the loss of innocence. And I think you all talked uh, a lot about the confusing ending and what it meant. Not that the meaning's up to be taken too seriously, I think. But this film is very much about the last days of childhood, the end of childhood, the last days of summer type thing. There is a liminal space between the end of childhood and the coming of age. It's a transient period. And there's lots of movies that deal with the coming of age side of this liminal space. The end of innocence and the coming of age are two bookend edges of this liminal space. There are some movies that sit right in the middle of the liminal space and look both to childhood and to adulthood. Think of perhaps The Breakfast Club is something like that, although that's not really one of my favourite movies. But Time Bandits is a movie that absolutely stays on the side of the end of childhood. That last scene where we see Kevin all alone, having lost his parents, is really a metaphor for Kevin staring at the wide abyss of adulthood stretching before him. But the movie refuses to step into that adulthood. It leaves us all hanging at the end of childhood. So the film refuses to, vehemently refuses to step into the adult world. That end of childhood theme about it gives it some similarities to films like Stand By Me, which are all about that last days of summer before we go to the big school or before our childhood ends. That change that occurs often around 12 and 13. Stand By Me does look into the adult world a bit and does deal with the future events of uh, the narrator's loss of his childhood friend as an adult but then spends the rest of the film looking back to those last days of summer. And certainly I can feel I have memories of those last days of summer, just before we went up to the big school, what Americans would call high school. I can remember sitting in the field at the last day of school of my little, my junior school, with all my old school friends on, on a sunny day. And there's something shared about that emotion and ambience in films like Time Bandits and Stand By Me. So I think that's why Time Bandits has that stark harsh ending because it just refuses to take one step forward into the adult world at all it rigidly remains in the childhood realm which again makes it have some similarities to films like um, The Neverending Story which is about a child trying to deal with uh, things like bullying in his in his uh, young age although The Neverending Story is far more sentimental than Time Bandits is. Although I love the sort of existential elements to uh, The Neverending Story, that shock of finding out who you really are. The Neverending Story has a rather pathetic solution to the question of uh, the end of childhood, which is to remain a child and to regularly retreat back into the childhood realm or stay in the childhood realm and not go into the adult one, which is something of a pathetic solution, really, although it is a solution. It's certainly not the heroic solution. You did mention that uh, Terry Gilliam's work has this uh, theme of recapturing or uh, keeping alive the childhood imagination. But Time Bandits doesn't really do that. It just remains firmly in the childhood world and ends at at that very point of the end of innocence. Although Merck the Meek's observation that he still has the photographs of the map is a fantastic one, and I'm glad that he mentioned it because I hadn't thought of that myself. That's a new realisation of a movie that I've loved for so long and I've never thought of, so that's, that's a, that was a delightful thing to hear from Merck. Oh, no, no, it wasn't Merck, was it? It was someone else. My apologies. I can't remember who it was that uh, made that comment, but it was a great comment. And it means that perhaps uh, Kevin does have the option of taking the um, never-ending story route solution of stepping back into childhood as, uh, as uh, the abyss of adulthood comes upon him. 
But the one thing I did want to say that no one else mentioned was perhaps an obvious one and perhaps one not even worth saying it seems so obvious and no, perhaps that's no one mentioned it. Is the obvious parallel to uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? We've got the dwarfs, we've got a twisted version of the dwarfs and we've got Kevin who's very much like Snow White. I think he was intentionally cast because he seems so incongruous with his vulgar, common, working-class parents. He seems so posh and prim, like a boy's version of Snow White. And yet he's remark- remarkably stoic, resourceful and determined as well. Quite heroic. He knows his own mind in the way that perhaps only 12-year-olds can before the confusion of adolescence kicks in. But it's quite obvious that the dwarfs are regularly making nods to Snow White. Instead of having uh, Grumpy, we've got Angry in the form of Wally, who really pushes the boat out. With his performance at the end there, when uh, he, he says Ke- when Kenny Baker's character dies. A lot of the other characters are like twisted versions of the Snow White. Strutter seems to be like a twisted version of Doc. And they all seem rather dopey in one way. Kenny Baker's character seems adorably clueless. If you watch, there's even scenes where the, the, the dwarfs like Strutter are, are sneezing quite a bit. I think there's one scene where they have to wake a, 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 one of the dwarfs up because he's yawning, just like Sleepy. But there's so much to this film, it's just absolutely chock up look. And I just want to thank you for putting the show out. I can't think of a better new home for uh, movie night than uh, your own show, given your experience as a, a projectionist in movie cinemas. And I just and I just want to thank all your other uh, callers for making me think about the movie again and perhaps giving me things to think about that I hadn't thought about before. That's quite nice to have new thoughts about an old movie that you've known for, what, 30 years? Thank you very much, Spencer. Take care. All the best. Well, there you go, Spencer. There's a damn good reason why I don't reply to these shows too much. Ten-minute bloody message. Way too long. And also all the mistakes I make. Proper gorilla. No main gorilla podcasting is gorilla response to podcasting. Yeah. Ian Holmes' accent was Corsican, wasn't it? Not Sardinian. Never mind. All the best, man. Now, because Safer initially suggested this might be a private message, I responded with an email that's essentially what I'm going to be sharing with you now, with some minor edits, of course, for context. Thanks for the message. It's great to hear your voice. I hope all's well with you. Yes, because of the significance of the movie to me personally, I did find myself feeling a little unduly sensitive towards Carl's message. But I hope I did my best to provide a humane response. I can understand it's not for everyone, but like yourself, absurdity, irreverence and irreligiousness are at the top of my list too. What got me a little was the dismissal of silliness, something I felt in the first part of Daniel's message too, although he admitted to not being in the right mood when watching and dutifully gave it another go. Other than that, I thought the feedback from across the pond was very positive indeed. I realise I failed to highlight Peter Vaughan's performance as Mr Ogre, your comment about him being effortlessly intimidating is such a perfect description. In fact, he really reminds me of my mum's late father, a seemingly perpetually grumpy old man who delighted in terrorising us kids. I didn't really get the joke at the time and subsequently felt I never really got to know him. And Catherine Helmond is equally marvellous as Mrs Ogre, of course. 
also a great point about the film being such a mashup of ideas, just like RPGs, which is pertinent because the next episode I'm planning is The Bride of RPGs of Frankenstein's Monster, which, much like the sequel I'm referencing, will be coming at the eclecticism of the hobby from a slightly different and possibly somewhat frivolous angle to the one you took in your episode. As for the end, yes, it's certainly intentionally ambiguous. The end of childhood slash loss of innocence certainly resonates. My existential crisis at the age of 11 looms large in my own backstory. As for the liminal space between that end of childhood and a coming of age, I think we're looking at at least a couple more decades of wilderness years for me. Perspiring, laughing, emoji. That lack of sentimentality is something that has always appealed to me about Time Bandits too, and why it's king amongst kids' films for me. That's certainly another thing that I think makes it far more of a British affair, or European at least. It was Lex Mandrake of Dank Dungeons who made mention of the photograph of the map and the opportunities it offers up at the end. Yes, that was quite a revelation and probably speaks to the disjointed feeling we're left with at the end of the film, which possibly obscures that detail to some extent. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs are certainly worth a mention because there were originally meant to be seven bandits. The character of Horseflesh was written out because they were worried they might run into trouble with Disney. Again, it's great to hear from you, Sofa. We need to do something together at some point soon. It also occurs to me that I would love to hear you and Menion have a chat sometime. That's Menion, a.k.a. Rob from Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy, of course. All the best, Spencer. Message ends. Just a reminder, next month's pick, Dragon Slayer, the cut-off date for those messages is the 23rd of February. Contact me via email at spencer.freethrall at gmail.com or at speakpipe.com dot com slash keep off the borderlands i look forward to hearing from you <laughs>